Welcome back, everybody, as we get going on a Wednesday afternoon sports talk, along with Adrian Broadus, Alberto Huerta. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. Good to have you back. I don't know. I mean, Alberto's crazy. I'm not going to lie to you. I think he's not. I don't know if he's playing with a full deck. Be honest now. Spent the morning on the queue, working uh, the show for Buzz and Joanna. And then he just shows back up here at four. Like, I mean, Adrian, what's wrong with him? Like, why? You know, he was here in this building almost 12 hours ago for a four-hour shift. And then, you know, he like sits in the chair next to you. And, I mean, I, 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 I like it. It's dedication. But I also think that uh, I'm a little concerned about Alberto. I really am. I mean, you know, 4 o'clock on a Wednesday afternoon after working that kind of a shift – uh, I wouldn't be here, and the fact that he's here is uh, it. Uh, it really kind of uh, boggles my mind uh, at times. You know what, Steve? I appreciate the dedication. I remember when I was uh, just leaving the prospector, I was juggling a lot of different um, roles, and one of them was being an intern here. I was working at a law firm almost full time. Big shout out to Carmen Hegeman uh, and the Edward Dunbar Law Firm out there. Uh, and I was also, you know, in, you know, I was, I was just wearing a lot of different hats. So I was doing all this different stuff and I was constantly in different places. So I appreciate the grind that Alberto's showing because I feel like you can do it for like two, three years, maybe really apply yourself, learn all the stuff. And then, uh, then you take a little bit of a step back and, and focus on what you, what you want to do. So I, I like the grind. I mean, yeah, but I'm, I always say, yeah, but I mean, Alberto, are you working the queue again tomorrow? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna help Joanna out. I know she says it, it, it with Nico out, it's a little difficult to like run the board and do like half of Nico's stuff that she splits with Buzz. So I'll do it. And like all, all I can say, and I know a lot of people might say this, that, or the other, is when you love what you do, you don't work a day in your life. So I don't mind being here. If it were a hassle, trust me, I would not be here. But like, why did you leave during the like the best time of the day when we brought in the Rolling Smoke barbecue for the whole station and fed everybody? <laughs> that, like, that that I was don't... an accident. I uh, accidentally left. I started seeing the queue throw up the the pictures of the sm- of the food, and I was like, if I go back right now to work, I'm going to be the guy that just went back for food. So, well, there's like, nothing goodbye. wrong with that. I mean, Kate McConnell was that guy. He showed up for food. <laughs> in fact, he was able to get a dino rib today when it was all said and done. He came out with a dino rib, not like Buzz's dino rib. It's they the look biggest. huge. Buzz had what I would say is the probably the biggest dino rib in the history of mankind, uh, thanks to Jesus and uh, and his team from Rolling Smoke Barbecue. They were here at the station today, and uh, they served it up for us, and they were uh, they were just awesome people. Loved, uh, you know, loved everything they did. The food was amazing. Baby backs, brisket, potato salad. Beans. I mean, it was great. It was fantastic. You know what, Steve? Everybody in this office, everybody in this building was fed. So, you know what I told to Alberto is, don't feel bad. I mean, you shouldn't have felt bad at all, man. You're a part of the, the squad. You just come in, say you're ready for the perks of the job, which is food at time, and uh, get ready to talk about some Rolling Smoke barbecue. In fact, uh, I love their location, Steve. I go out to Anthony Country Club sometime to play golf, and then their location is right around that area. Uh, I always make a stop if I'm coming back from Las Cruces. It's a perfect, perfect spot for barbecue. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's fine. We could, you know, I mean, that's, please, uh, the, the place is amazing. The food 
is it just if you love barbecue, this is like a must. You got to try it. And uh, the coolest thing today was was that Jesus comes in with his crew, and then we had the pit set up. It blocked. Uh, you couldn't park in the back because the pit was right on the side. So he, he you know, he brought in the uh, he brought in one of his one of his three pit smokers, set up shop, started blasting music. Next thing you know, about twenty minutes later, they're feeding everybody, and then. Ruli from next door and Ruli's walks over. They had never met each other and they end up hanging out for like an hour together. It was awesome. And man, two uh, chefs just yes. uh, getting a chance to meet and uh, two great people at, at their at what they do in their own craft. I, mean, I told Jesus, I'm like, you ever met Ruli? He goes, no. Because I, I know him. I've never met I go, well, you're going to meet him today. And Ruli was just as excited coming over and meeting Jesus and checking out the operation and trying it. And he's like, can I take pictures? And next thing you know, they're like, uh, you know, they're bonding together. And you know what the coolest thing is? Ruli's was the very first dining deal we ever did. Um, And now here we go all these months later. Now we got rolling smoke barbecue. So it's fantastic. Yeah, I'm thinking to myself, Steve, if you get, if you spend this, I might have to buy like 50 of these gift cards, 50 of the whatever we sell online, because if you get $25 uh, and that's all you're paying for $50 worth at Rolling Smoke Barbecue, that's an absolute steal for, it's not probably, it is the best barbecue in town. Well, all I can tell you is this, folks, Friday, 10 a.m., dining deals, your opportunity to take advantage now, Adrian is going to need 25 assumed names because the limit is two per person. So he is going to have to come Easy. up with 25 different aliases and all purchase these to try to get to his 50 limit. But um, he's crafty. He's clever. He can come up with it. That would be the way to go. Well, I got news for you. Okay. I've got a plate for Adrian. And if you want to split it with Alberto during the show today, you can. I and you guys can both enjoy it. How's that? That sounds great. I will uh, split it with Alberto here. And uh, yeah, it's funny. I was, you know, we, we did this with another Broken Egg Cafe and they mm-hmm. were laughing because there was like 50, there was like one person who bought like 10 gift cards, but they did have the, all, all different names. It was so funny. Oh, that's so they, like they, it, it was very similar, but they, they changed to, they, something so, different every single time. So they beat the system. They beat the system. So now I know the the model. So now I can beat the system and buy fifty of these before everybody else does. Well, I'm gonna tell you something. You're gonna have a good little race on your hands because I'm telling you right now. Um, I think these are gonna go fast. I really do. Um, you know, and we will see how quickly they end up going. We've had only one barbecue restaurant prior to this. That was Desert Oak. Lasted about an hour and a half. Jesus is aware of this. He knows the, where the bar has been set, and he's competitive, and he wants to sell out faster than they did. So we'll end up seeing. And the nice thing is is that they're on the far east side. He's on the far west side, right, when you get to Anthony Exit Zero. So they're on the exact opposite sides of town, and uh, they're both terrific places. So I love that. I love the fact that uh, we've got Rolling Smoke Barbecue coming up on, on Friday. And if you've never been, this is exactly what you do to try it out. You buy the, the $50 gift certificates for 25 There's a maximum of two per person, so that means you could you could spend up to $50. And if you do that, you will have $100 worth of food at Roll and Smoke. But you can only use 50 at a time, which means you got to go twice, which is perfect. Because when you go the first time, you're going to be saying to yourself, oh, my God, this is life-changing. i got to go back. And that's, that's the whole point. That's why we, we've got the two-per-person rule. 
You know what? I'm a big person uh, that judges catering, okay? So, like, when catering happens, I'm always like, all right, how is it? Is it an A+, plus? is it a C-, minus? whatever it is? Roland Smirk bar- uh, Barbecue is, like, the perfect place for catering or for events. Like, when I, whenever I, I go to an event and I see that they're a part of it, I'm like, okay, the event is automatically elevated because Roland Smirk Barbecue is a part of it. Oh, I got news for you. When Cade was here, he met Jesus, and now... He wants to take a bunch of Utah football players over there. And I don't was, blame him. He actually said, I'm going to bring some of this food back and let some of the guys try it with me so they can see how good this barbecue is. So wow. on Saturday, this Saturday or next Saturday, we might see the, we might see half the Utah football team over at uh, Roll and Smoke. I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, I think it's an excellent spot for anybody. I mean, really, you, you could be starving looking for some barbecue going out there. You could be looking uh, to host people for a party or for the big game coming up next week. Uh, Chiefs. 49ers, if you want a big game spread, you know, Rolling Smoke Barbecue, perfect place for something like that. Order ahead, call them in advance mm, and stuff like that. So, it. yeah, I think if you plan it right, you could do Rolling Smoke Barbecue in so many different ways. And they are one of our Radio Row sponsors at Super Bowl uh, 58, The Road to Las Vegas. So they will be uh, along for the ride with us. So happy that they're on board. One of many uh, great sponsors. We've got two of our major sponsors, so we got to give uh, huge uh, props right now to our friends at uh, Palo Verde Homes as well as uh, Hills Automotive. They are our major sponsors. In fact, uh, Palo Verde will be uh, sponsoring the live broadcast each and every day, and Hills Automotive, all of our interviews, and oh my God, the interviews. Between the interviews and the live broadcast, it's going to be sick. Um, I have never been able to have so many interviews booked before we even get on the plane on Monday. Just today alone, okay, we now have added professional wrestlers to the guest list next week because AEW will be there. So that means CEO Tony Khan, who also is part of the Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, he is going to be joining us uh, during the week. And also Darby Allen, who tag teams with Sting. So he's going to be on the show. Then we just booked today Oscar De La Hoya. He is going to be coming on with us at Radio Row. Not to mention Darren Woodson of the Dallas Cowboys, the former Dallas Cowboy great Darren Woodson, the whole Westwood One crew. We've got Lee Steinberg. We have Adam Teicher. I mean, this is going to be one of those weeks, folks, where we will be bringing you daily podcasts filled with interviews that we couldn't even get on the air each and every day. That's that's how big these shows are going to end up being when it's all said and done. It's kind of like, you know how The Office has those super fan episodes on uh, on Peacock where if you're a fan of The Office, they take like the extra 15 or you know 10 or 15 minutes of every episode. You don't get to see all those deleted scenes and they put it into one and now you get those extended versions. That's what this is going to turn into when we head to Vegas next week. And I am so excited to be bringing all these interviews back for everybody because you know how much I love interviews. It's my favorite part of the show. And we are going to talk to so many people next week at Radio Row. It is going to be a happening. Yeah, I mean, this is the type of week to really listen to 600 ESPN El Paso starting noon here local time, laying down the law. They're going to have some uh, A-list guests as well. I've heard uh, names like Donovan McNabb being floated around with laying down the law and other great names as well. So I would definitely listen to Foss and Chris Fernandez here before us. And then right after them, a little bit of a break, you'll listen to ESPN radio. And then we'll come on 4 o'clock till 7 every single day out 
in Las Vegas. It's going to be a lot of fun, Steve. I'm already fired up about this. We've got the schedule. We've got the calendar uh, up internally. We're already booking this up. We're trying to fill up the calendar, and everything extra will be like cherry on top. Uh, we'll take a lot of videos, take a lot of pictures, and all this stuff. So it's going to be great. Everybody just needs to follow 600 ESPN El Paso on all social media accounts, including our YouTube channel. We'll be posting all, all sorts of interviews everywhere. I can't wait. Cannot wait. Now, uh, Jay Jaffe is out skiing today, so we're not going to have Jay on the show to begin uh, today, and we're not going to have Jay today at all, actually. But we are going to have Jeff Erickson bumped up an hour. So Jeff will go into his spot at 420 today, and then we'll take calls in the 5 and the 6, and we'll get ready to go all the way through till 7 o'clock. Uh, I was arguing with Hunter Pennypacker today, by the way. Hunter is talking about New Mexico and how great they're doing. And he's like, don't tell me UTEP can't turn it around if I see what New Mexico is doing. And I'm like, New Mexico has a $2 million NIL. I mean, how do you compare? And Hunter's response was excuses. I'm like, really? We're going to call you know, a $2 million NIL versus a $300,000 NIL? Excuses? To me, the biggest difference between UTEP and New Mexico turning their basketball programs around, and we'll get into this discussion later in the show, but Adrian, New Mexico is filled with so many diehard fans, they'll do whatever they can at all costs to win that to get that program up. UTEP's not there. UTEP is just not there. Their fans are not willing to spend at any level necessary in order to transform the UTEP program the way they are in New Mexico. Like, when you gave Lobo fans the opportunity to buy in for NIL— They're probably like, thank you. We've been doing this illegally for years. Now we can legally do it and absolutely increase the quality of talent. Sign us up. And that's one of the reasons, along with uh, Richard Patino, why all of a sudden New Mexico is where they are. Yeah, I think the latter is actually my excuse, right? Because with the Patino hype comes the NIL funds, comes the collective, comes the motivation and inspiration to actually go out and do that. Not saying that Joe Golding hasn't done any of that, but I think that when you have Richard Patino as one of the, no, I mean, he's not just one of the trendy coaches in the Mountain West. I mean, he could be leading a Power 5 school next year, the way uh, his trajectory is gone. He's a younger coach, uh, had success with Minnesota, but did have some rough patches with them as well. So he wants to prove himself in the Mountain West, and he probably is going to parlay this season into a marquee job next year. And with that will come all the hype, all the NIL money that comes with that, and he probably has a good system around him. So not again, not saying anything against the Joe Golding model. It's just a different animal right here with the Richard Pitino model. Don't be surprised if the Lobos break the bank to keep him, by the way. True. They might decide, you know what? We're spending whatever it's necessary to keep Patino around here. Yeah, I mean, what if New Mexico comes out as the highest paid uh, university for their basketball coach among uh, the Mountain West Conference? That's where they need to be, and that's the standard they hold themselves to if if they have a prestigious standard. Now, I guess that goes back to what Hunter was saying and what some of our listeners will argue. Well, UTEP was on the same level as New Mexico. They still compete pretty well when they take on the Lobos. Why can't they be in that competitive field right there? So I think that's where some of the frustrations like Hunter – um, you know, that's where they come from. I don't blame them. All right, we'll talk more about that later in the show. Just getting started. Jeff Erickson, next. We'll do that right after Charlie One, who has this traffic update for us. Charlie! Back here on Sports Talk 21, now past the hour as we continue. Time to say hello to Jeff Erickson. He uh, joins us uh, from uh, Rotowire and our team at rotowire.com. He's coming in an hour early today for. Uh, uh, Jay Jaffe, who's out on the ski slopes. Jeff, appreciate it. Good to have you back. How are you today? 
Doing well, and thank you for uh, working around my schedule. Appreciate it. I'm actually doing a first 2024 NFL mock draft on SiriusXM today, so doing it starting an hour early ahead of our show. Isn't it? Now, when you say mock draft, meaning a, mock, a whole mock fantasy football draft for 2024? Yes. Isn't it weird? I mean, we're not even finished with a 2023 season, and you're drafting a 24 mock team. I'll tell you what, though. Underdog has contest, best ball contests rolling right now. People can't wait to do it. So we're kind of feeding into that a little bit there. Um, there there's a thirst for people. I mean, let's face it, drafting is fun. Um, best ball leagues are for those people who, who love to keep doing that and doing that and doing that. Um, I, I'm not a big practitioner myself, but never hurts to have some thoughts lined up on the on the player pool. By the way, Regarding, uh, you know, 2024, since uh, yeah, the hardest part is we have to factor in free agency. We have mm-hmm. to factor in the draft. I mean, I'm assuming you're probably going to – somebody's going to draft Marvin Harrison Jr., right? Of course. Yeah. Of course. I would think so, too. Um, and, and Caleb Williams and Drake May, too, yes. probably. Yes. That's right. Now, will the draft tonight count – towards the 24 season or is it no, just for gonna, an exercise we're not going to play this one out okay um, this is more just uh we're creating content uh but people are doing those best ball drafts um those will count and the whole point is your draft you know you don't have to you know because it's people do this in volume and there's a big contest and you know you know it's uh, you know sometimes maybe you'll get a jump on others that don't really have a feel for the player pool or something of that nature, or they really have a line on a particular player like, hey, people are overlooking how good this guy really was. Explain best ball for for people that have never played it and how that works in fantasy. Okay, so you draft a roster, say, 20 players, um, and they'll have uh, the, the host site will run the numbers every week and have your best lineup each particular week. There are no free agents. There's no trades. Uh, your roster is your roster. So and then you kind of, one of the, the, the things is you'll have to decide, do I draft two or three quarterbacks? Do I draft two or three defenses? Uh, do I draft, you know, in, in addition to just who's the best players, but also some game theory about how to like over, how to manage, uh, you know, you know, inefficiencies there, how to avoid taking zeros at certain positions. And also for that matter, just identifying some of the better players. The hardest part about that would be, um, you know, bye weeks. But I'm assuming when you make those best ball drafts, you already know bye weeks, so you don't happen to have everybody off on the same week. Right, right, which we don't have yet. So, That's right. I mean, there, that, yes. that, is, that is a reason why I don't do this, like, for real. I mean, I'm doing it for a mock to create content and talk about players. At the same time, the computer decides the starting lineup. I mean, do people like that where they don't have control over their starting lineup because that's that, that's the the computer's job to formulate that? Well, it's taking the it's after the fact. You're getting your best score. There's no there's yeah. no roster, there's no lineup mistakes. I see uh, what you're saying. So, it's it's a full 20. You draft. So, in other words, you're drafting a full team and then the computer just decides after the week is over your best your 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 best scores it just takes and the that's top it scores at each yeah. position okay yeah, that's all i got you that's that's fine and do we have that in baseball as well oh yeah yeah it exists in baseball as well um the now i i think 
you don't really do it in roto style leagues. I mean, I guess it's possible, but there's a lot more nuance there, right? Because then you're competing within categories. Like, oh well, does this per- does this manager really need more stolen bases or more homers? And yeah. so that's why you have to do a points based league. Well, uh, I, if you're going to do a best ball baseball league, I also and those yeah. exist as well. Underdog is uh, DraftKings are the two like biggest outlets for that, but like RT Sports has their own formal leagues. Fantrax has their leagues. Um, Sleeper probably has their leagues as well. There, you know, a lot of different platforms have best ball leagues. Uh, and football is obviously the most popular. It's the most popular fantasy sport, period. So uh, it only follows that it's also the biggest in terms of best ball also. So um, you look at it from that standpoint, um, and it's just people love to draft. And this way they don't have to worry. You know, They do it 100 times. They don't have to manage all those teams. They're just drafting. Yeah, but best ball makes the most sense for football because basketball and yeah. baseball, you could have a variety of games each week. You never know how. Yeah, football, it's very simple. You either play or you're off. I mean, it's, you know, that's, and they all play the same number of games every week. One. So it really kind of equals it out with the whole best ball process. Exactly right. Okay. Good. Now that's happening on Sirius XM. What time? Uh, we start at 7 Eastern, 6, Mount, uh, six Central, 5 Mountain. But uh, you know what? Yes. It'll be available on demand. So you listen to your show first and then catch it on the Sirius XM app if you're a subscriber. There you I'll go. tweet out the link, too. There you go. All right. Uh, Super Bowl 58. You tell me. Um, you know, first off, remind me your predictions last week. Did you go Baltimore, San Francisco? <laughs> I did. I did. I, at the beginning of the playoffs, I said Baltimore 24-23 over San Francisco. So you can immediately discount everything I say after this. But, no, um, I, I, it, hey, Baltimore had their chances. Uh, they just, I mean, the, the Flowers uh, play was huge. Throwing an interception in a triple coverage in the end zone on the likely uh, target was, was huge. And, you know, let's just face it, Baltimore went away from what they did best. They ran the ball six times with their running backs. Uh, you know, this is a, a run team, and they went away from that. Let's not talk about Detroit, because if Baltimore had their chances, Detroit mm. will make you crazy. Yeah, yeah. Although, I, I, we, we dissected this pretty full yesterday, in yesterday's show on, a, on our show on Sirius X and Fantasy, but um, I don't really fault the fourth down decisions that much. The one that sticks in my craw is the running play late. Yep. Just because timeouts are gold in that situation. If you are going to call the running play, then you need to be ready with another play and go right away after that there. You know, knowing that whatever happens, whether you get a touchdown or field goal, you need to get the ball back regardless. And the chances of recovering an onside kick are less than like 5% this year. So uh, I think that you had to have all three timeouts. That was, that was the priority. They failed that priority. No doubt. Because if they if they do stop them, and they have those three timeouts, they've got a minute to work with. Yep. So that's right. Uh, and not only that, too, they're good at fourth down. It, it, the very first, the, the the you know, if Josh Reynolds catches that fourth down uh, pass the first time in the third quarter when they went for it on fourth down, I mean that that might have been it. That might have been enough to win the game. You know, uh, they had the long pass to Ayuk after that, and they got the first touchdown on their comeback route. But honestly, they 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 convert that fourth down. They get a score. They take more time off the clock. Everything else that follows doesn't yep. matter as much. Um, the Gibbs fumble was massive, probably the biggest changing play in the entire game. 
Um, I think, uh, at least according to EPA, I think it was. Um, you know, it changed the field position. They scored so quickly right thereafter. Right. Took the Lions away from running the ball after that. Um, they ran. Th- they had three running plays after the Gibbs fumble. None by Gibbs after that. I had a Gibbs. Uh, a, I had a couple of uh, Gibbs plays going on in, uh, in in Prize Picks at 48 rushing yards. He was at 46 at the time of that fumble. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that one there. Who do you like next Sunday? I like the Chiefs, but not by a ton. Um, I, I I just think. That defense is I, – I, I thought Baltimore had an historically good defense, and they only gave up 17 points and, like, 60 yards of offense in the second half until, like, the very last play of Aldo Scanling. But um, Kansas City's defense has come up big against Buffalo, come up big against Baltimore. I think they'll come up big against San Francisco. I'm with you. All right, more as we continue with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com. Uh, We'll talk a little baseball next. Looking forward to that. But first, let's get right back to Adrian standing by with this Sports Center update. Thank you very much, Steve. Tomorrow, UTEP men's basketball opens up a key three-game homestand against Jacksonville State. We'll have it for you. Countdown to tip-off starting at 6.30 here on 600 ESPN El Paso. Ahead of then, we will actually be out at the District West, 32-33 North Mesa, for the uh, pregame show here, Sports Talk Live, ahead of the countdown to tip-off show out at the District West, 32-33 North Mesa. So if you're heading out to the UTEP game tomorrow, make plans to join us ahead of time out at the district. Let's go over to the men's college basketball scoreboard. Bunch of games set for tonight. Number two, Purdue hosts Northwestern. 4.30 tip-off on the Big Ten Network. Number 24, Alabama takes on Georgia on the SEC Network. Number 18, Baylor taking on UCF. 5 o'clock tip-off on ESPN+. Florida taking on number 10, Kentucky. 6 o'clock start on ESPN. And then number one, UConn. How about a big shout-out to uh, El Paso's own Tristan Newton and the UConn Huskies, who are number one in the country. They're hosting Providence, 6.30 start on FS1. Later on tonight, it's the nightcap. We talked about them earlier, the Lobos, number 19, New Mexico. That's right. They're ranked right now. They host Boise State, 8.30 tip-off on FS1, out at the pit in Albuquerque. That one's coming up later tonight. Let's go quickly over to the NBA scoreboard for tonight. There's a double header set for tonight, and it's actually on ESPN and ABC. 6.30 start. ABC will have it, Suns Nets, and then later on tonight, Bucks Trailblazers, 8 o'clock start on ESPN. That's look at your Sports Center update for 600 ESPN El Paso. I'm Adrian Bradas. All right, Adrian, thank you very much. We're back right now with uh, Jeff Erickson from rotowire.com as we continue talking uh, baseball now with uh, pitchers and catchers reporting in about two weeks. It's crazy that uh, spring training is right around the corner, but it is. Uh, let's talk about some of the uh, moves that have happened since we last spoke to you. Uh, first off, uh, kind of an interesting move here, and uh, that is today, Wandy Peralta to the Padres on a four-year, $16.5 million contract, including three player opt-outs. Now, this is interesting in the sense that the Padres have really made an effort to bulk up their bullpen this year after losing Josh Hader to Houston. And Peralta, just the latest addition in what's been a pretty busy offseason in the pen for the Pods. 
Yeah, and it's the first time they brought someone that wasn't playing pitching overseas in a while. Uh, so there is that. So uh, you know, but no, look at the price. I mean, yeah, it's four years, but it, it's really cheap that they did this here. Uh, they're not paying. Uh, you know, Hater Science for five, five years and ninety-five million. Wandy gets it four and sixteen. I mean, they're buying out of the bargain bin. I think that's the way to go, especially because you know after the Soto trade, they made it a point of emphasis. But they they still have to have pitchers. So uh, there you go. Do you like the James Paxton deal to the Dodgers? It's. You, you never can have enough arms. Um, what this does is it gives them time for to develop Gavin Stone and Emmett Sheehan. Although the note came out the other day, uh, Bill Plunkett from the Orange County Register is reporting that the Dodgers are going to slow roll out uh, Walker Buehler to start the season because they want him at his peak in October. Uh, so I thought that was noteworthy. That so we're kind of tentatively penciling in like May first for him to come back. Uh, so that means even with Paxton signing, one of Sheehan or Stone will probably be in the rotation to start the year. That is interesting. Um, All right. Justin Turner goes to the Blue Jays. I thought he would have been a perfect Met. Could have DH'd, could have played third. They needed somebody like that. Instead, he goes to Toronto, a team that already is loaded, and uh, he should have a chance to be a major run producer, although he does lose the Fenway Park factor that he thrived in last year. Yeah, and... Uh, Toronto played really tough last year. They they had those changes in the ballpark, and almost to a player, their players struggled more at home, especially hitting for power. Uh, Joe Sheehan has a good column on that uh, in his newsletter today, talking about how you know just there was a lot fewer barrels uh, in uh, Rogers Center than there has been in previous years. That maybe the sight lines are different because uh, it. What you know? It's not like uh, it, the dimensions are so much changing the way the ball carries, but it's just not making players aren't making as much hard contact. The other thing about that Turner signing is they are so right-handed. Um, all their best hitters are righties. Uh, their best lefty hitters, what Kevin Biggio? Um, they I, so I, I'm. I'm kind of nonplussed by this signing, uh, Turner at uh, Toronto. I think he would have been a better fit with the Mets, a uh, better fit with some other teams. I don't think he's a great fit in Toronto. Um, I guess it means fewer at-bats for Alejandro Kirk yep. or Danny Jansen. Whoever's not catching that day won't be the DH. We still also have a ton of free agents left. We're waiting for Cody Bellinger. We're waiting yep. for um, Blake Snell. I mean, I'm a little surprised that they remain unsigned. Yeah, how often do you see uh, the, the returning Cy Young Award winner uh, unsigned this deep into the, uh, the free agency? But. Baseball kind of moves at his own thing. They're both Boris clients, and I think that's kind of a feature, not a bug when it comes to him. I agree with that. Uh, and Maybe we'll see more and more guys sign relatively quick now that uh, some of these are out of the way, uh, especially like a, uh, like a Justin Turner. So, cause, yeah, maybe you know, so. I, I don't know. Let's talk about what you have on the website right now. A lot of content. Still, you're cranking out a ton of football content at rotowire.com. Yeah, I mean, this, we still got stuff uh, in advance of the Super Bowl, a lot of different ways to play, a lot of, you know, interesting matchups, obviously a lot of highs on that. And we're, you know, this mock draft will be another avenue for content for us there to talk about and write about, so we'll be doing that. But, yeah, obviously the big thing is baseball now. Our draft kit is live on the site. You guys can check it out, rotowire.com slash free. Get your free peek behind the paywall. Uh, no credit card is required, just a couple days there for free, and then – 
kick the tires. Hopefully you like it, and uh, you'll move on while and subscribe. I should have mentioned uh, the Polanco trade going to Seattle. A lot of top prospects uh, heading out uh, to Minnesota, headlined by Gabriel Gonzalez. That's another deal that uh, you know happened a couple of days ago that really kind of gives Minnesota even more young talent in their outfield. Yeah, and you know, Gabriel Gonzalez is a top 100 prospect, um, almost in all ranking systems, and Polanco is a good player, but he's been hurt a lot the last couple of years, and the Twins have Edouard Julian, who's now going to get more playing time. Uh, the Mariners, obviously, I think they could they could use Polanco. I don't know if he's the same hitter as he was two years ago, but he's an improvement over Josh Rojas, most likely. Um, and this is the first time Seattle's really done something to add. Uh, I mean, they added Mitch Garver, so that's maybe the second time, I guess, but... Um, this is a clear improvement for him, but the Twins, I mean, they got some bullpen depth out of this. They added some innings on the cheap. Uh, with Topa in particular is kind of interesting to me, and Gonzalez is a good guy in the long run. Did you like Hector Neris going to the Cubs for one year and $9 million? Eh, I, I don't think he's that much better in replacement value. So uh, it, it's okay. It adds depth. Um, it's just yet another kind of boring right-handed arm. I, I just hope he doesn't steal save situations from Alzelay. Is Jock Peterson any more than a platoon bat with the D-backs? He hasn't been more than a pl- platoon bat for a long time, uh, and his defense is dreadful. Um, it takes away from Jake McCarthy. McCarthy will be the de- defensive component. I think you're going to see Peterson DH more than anything else. I, I really don't want to see him playing too much defense out there in Arizona, especially with all the speed that those guys have. You know, you... you <laughs> Outfield defense is a strength for the Diamondbacks right now. To put Peterson out there would counteract that. That would kind of like take away from the big advantage that they have when they have Thomas and Carroll out there to begin with. You put McCarthy out there, I mean, you catch a ton of fly balls. Colt Keith, uh, probably the opening day second baseman for Detroit. Yes. And, and also signing a six-year, $28.5 million deal with club options for 10, 13 and 15 million dollars. So, uh a lot of escalators. The Tigers thought enough to lock him up. Uh thoughts on Colt Keith as a prospect. And boosts his playing time for this year, that's for sure. Uh gives him a much better chance if he doesn't make the team out of spring training, he certainly makes it earlier than otherwise. If he proves he's ready, that now you know, that nothing standing in the way of them calling him up, that's for sure. Same thing with the Brewers with Jackson Churio doing the same thing this off season. You like seeing that. And I think the new rules also encourage teams to play those prospects when they're ready because they can get the extra compensation pick at the end of the first round if they are in the top three in the uh, rookie of the year balloting. Very true. And by the way, the Orioles were purchased today, and we find out that Cal Ripken is among those in the group purchasing the team. I love that. It's good for baseball. Everybody loves Cal Ripken, and uh, not only is he an Oriole for life, but now he's got an ownership stake in the team. Yeah, and we'll see how quickly this gets approved when it's official. Uh, one of the terms of the deal is that like 40% of it goes now and the other 30% upon because they're going to get a 70% sh- uh, stake in it eventually. But the, thir- the other 30% goes upon uh, Peter Angelos' passing because uh, I think there's some like estate, estate issues there, that they, why they have to do that. So a uh, short, short thing is maybe a while before we start seeing them spend. I wouldn't, see, I don't, wouldn't expect to see Blake Snell signing with them tomorrow. Rotowire.com, folks. Uh, Jeff has everything. He's got the draft in 20 minutes. Enjoy that. We'll skip next week while we're out at Radio Row, and we'll pick it up with you uh, the following the Super Bowl. Have a great time, and as always, Jeff, appreciate all the content. My pleasure. Have a tremendous time out there. We will definitely do so, and uh, I will give you the full report on what we talked about earlier uh, in a couple of weeks, all right? 
All right, sounds like a plan. All right, there you go. It's uh, Jeff Erickson as we continue here on Sports Talk. 19 in front of 5, back with more in a moment. 600 ESPN El Paso. Now past the hour, 505-6009, our telephone number. So it's really interesting. Um, New Mexico right now has three losses on the season. They're 19th in the country. They're expecting about 13,000, 14,000 tonight at the pit. I think 15-4 is their capacity. They're drawing very well. Uh, Doing a little digging into their system. So their goal is $2 million annually in NIL. Currently, they're a little north of a million right now for basketball. Not total, basketball. So a million dollars is their NIL. Their head coach, Richard Patino, was making... $800,000, and he was bumped up to over a mil, which I think trails only Nevada and um, San Diego State for coaching salaries in the Mountain West. So I I, I know that when I was talking to Hunter earlier, big UTEP fan who had an epic call to Minor Talk. By the way, the Minor Talk Saturday was probably – the most explosive minor talk of the season for basketball, and many are calling it an absolute must-listen to the podcast that was put up yesterday. So if you have not listened to minor talk after Saturday's game, you need to because it is a must-listen. So, um, you know, and and this is the thing, and I said this yesterday because we were talking about um, UTEP and – they're really no different than anybody in Conference USA right now. This whole league is home. All they do is they win at home, they lose on the road. That's, what is it, like 24-3 and three or 23-4? and four, Some kind of ridiculous record. I think it's 27 games and 23 of them have all been won by the home team. But here's what I said yesterday, and I'll stand by this. UTEP fans couldn't care less about that stat. They're not worried about the other teams in Conference USA and the trend and how UTEP is, you know, just like everybody else. Now, they want UTEP to be better than everybody else. They want UTEP to be the postseason team out of Conference USA and not another disappointment after year three of Joe Golding. And Adrian, you know, we look at this league and we realize that we said this, I think it was on Monday or Tuesday show. Uh, no, it was it was definitely Monday show. Uh, there is no Florida Atlantic. There is no UAB. There is no Charlotte. There is no North Texas. There is no Rice. They're gone. They're all gone. And what what's left, at least of the original league, Middle Tennessee, Western Kentucky, Louisiana Tech, and UTEP, adding Liberty, Jacksonville State, New Mexico State, and Sam Houston State into the equation. And here's what's happened, okay? The league is definitely um, a shell of what it once was. It's down as a basketball league, which is good and bad. Good in the sense that there's no guarantee that somebody is a lock to go to the postseason like there's been in the past. Bad in the sense that UTEP has not been able to take advantage of suddenly all this parity in the league and elevate themselves to the top 
of Conference USA. They're not there. They're just like everybody else. A team that more often than not will win at home and will fall on the road. That's just that's just the the facts, how it how it really shakes out. And this week, I mean, you know, you, you would hope UTEP can beat Jacksonville State on Thursday. Liberty will be a slugfest just like Western Kentucky. But, you know, UTEP's got a shot. Liberty loses on the road. So they could beat Liberty, and all of a sudden they're back to being 4-4 four and four with their four wins at home and their four losses on the road, just like everybody else in this league. And just like everybody else is not good enough for UTEP fans. And I understand their cause for concern and their frustrations, especially when you look at New Mexico, a basketball program that has been, like UTEP, trying to get back to prominence for many years. They hired Richard Patino. Now they're starting to see it pay off. They've got a great record. They've got, they're in the top 25. They're putting fans in like crazy into the pit to watch them play. They've got an NIL of over a million dollars right now. Patino's making over a mil. They'll probably need to keep raising him if they want to keep him. But Adrian, there's your example. I mean, New Mexico and UTEP are both so similar in so many aspects when it comes to basketball and football for that matter. Football's been terrible for both programs forever. Basketball's been traditionally good for both programs. But New Mexico has been begging to get back to where they are right now, where they're finally at. And UTEP hasn't reached that level yet. Yeah, that's exactly right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of things to unpack with this one right here. I think the first thing that uh, looks me in the in the eyes is that Conference USA, forget being close to the Mountain West, which the Mountain West could bring as many as five teams to the NCAA, uh, NCAA tournament when it's all said and done. Conference USA is not even a better conference than the WAC right now in, in men's college basketball, and that's just the reality. I mean, they're top to bottom, the WAC has more depth than Conference USA, and Conference USA is just a weird league right now where it's a one-bid league like it's been every single year, and you know the, the thought of, oh, well, maybe could there be two teams in Conference USA that go to the tournament? Please. I mean, have somebody stand out. Have somebody run the table like last year in Florida Atlantic, which is now in the American Athletic Conference. Have another team be loaded with stars like UAB was last year with Jelly Walker and all those uh, fantastic players who made a deep run into the Conference USA tournament. Until Conference USA shows they've got squads like that, I don't really take this conference in men's college basketball that seriously. I mean, this year, it's very even all across the board as far as the parity goes. I got news for you. The best team with the net rankings in college basketball from Conference USA? Net. Louisiana Tech. You know what they're ranked? In like the 70s, I'm guessing? 84. Yeah. That's That's the best this conference has to offer. So two teams, please. That's That's a joke. It's an absolute joke. But we'll talk more about it in hour number two. So stay with us. Sports Talk continues right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. Uh, player Jimbo Bowden is now a very successful dentist. What a great career that is. I mean, think about that. That's, you know, that's 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 one way to do it right. His office is awesome. Shout out to Dr. Bowden. He's he's a great person. I believe my sister went to him. I believe uh, my wife went to him growing up, too. So, oh, yeah. yeah, 
I feel like the whole West Side goes to him. I know. See now, now he wasn't around when I was needing uh, braces. In those days, it was Doctor Wilbanks. And like I've, I've talked about this on the radio before, but I'll say it again. Okay, just imagine being like, um, I don't know. At that time, I was probably like thirteen, fourteen. So we're probably talking um, mid eighties, mid to you know, like like mid like eighty seven, eighty six, eighty seven, and I would walk in. To the uh, to you know to my orthodontist's office, and in one chair would be Jeep Jackson, in another chair would be Quentin Gates, in another chair might be Tim Hardaway, um, and like all of these Utah basketball players in those days had braces, and they all were getting them from Doctor Wilbanks, the orthodontist on the West Side, so. I could never, I mean, I was so excited to go to, to the orthodontist, not to, to get, you know, them tightening my braces and check on all that. I just wanted to sit in a chair next to a Utah basketball player, talk shop with him for, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, and then feel like, oh, that's cool. Just had a chance to see them while I was going off to, uh, you know, to, to, the, uh, to the ortho. That was, that was the highlight for me. Yeah, I feel like now um, it, when you go to Doctor Bowden's office, it's like now you're going to like basically Memorial Gym because yep. he's got all the great photos over there. He does. He could, he could show you a ring, something like that. He's had a lot of success in local high school basketball too. So yeah, I feel like a uh, little full circle right there. You can still find some great stuff. And he's a genius. He's come up with these fake dollar bills with his face on it that he gives the kids. And if you do the right things and you brush properly and you do this and you do that. And you can get these bucks, and then after a while, you collect them. You could turn them in for different things. I'm like, that is brilliant. What a great way to do it. So now my son's going to actually brush his teeth well, floss, do all that, take advantage of of the proper hygiene because he wants to earn those Bowden bucks and come back and uh, and get something here soon enough. Okay, I like that. C- correct me if I'm wrong. This is like playing like Xbox and stuff like that ahead of time. Is that what you can catch? It's like this yeah, in? it's like the dentist version of V bucks. Yeah, that's right. That's awesome. I love it right here. Yeah, me too. So that is uh, that's that's why I just spent the break. I spent the break on and looking at uh, at my son's mouth and and seeing those braces and, and realizing, all right, for the next two years uh, he's gonna have he's gonna have braces. That's good. I think our very own uh, UTEP Zay is right now rocking the braces too. I think so too. I mean, that's a very common thing for people these days. There's a certain age when you get them, and once you get them, that's it. You start uh, you wear them, and you and you're good to go. All right. Um, last hour we talked about UTEP. And they're playing tomorrow against Jacksonville State. We'll have all the action. We're going to be live at the district tomorrow, by the way. That's also another fun little uh, tidbit. Confirmed that uh, Cade McConnell's going to drop by the show tomorrow. And also, how about this? 5 o'clock, Corey Herman is going to stop by the district. We're going to get a chance to talk to Corey. Friend of the program, long time no talk to uh, uh, Coach Herman. I can't even call I always call him Coach, so it's so weird. Now he's like uh, CEO Herman, so now i got to think of uh, a different way to you know, uh, t- you know know address him, I should say. But it's going to be a lot of fun. The District West, 32-33 North Mesa. They've got the $8 wraps happening tomorrow, so if you haven't stopped by, come on and join us, especially if you're going to UTEP basketball. If you're not going to UTEP basketball, come out and join us as well. They've got great sports. They'll have all the college basketball basketball all the nba on uh out at the district they've got great drink specials happy hour all the way up till six o'clock uh and we'll be out there for sure so come on out and join us we'll actually be giving away some utep tickets good on site as well and we'll be indoors as right. opposed to outdoors last time where 
your brilliant uh, host decided, hey, it's going to be 68 degrees. Let's go outside and do the show. Uh, Not the most brilliant idea I've had in a while. So we're going to change it up and we'll go indoors tomorrow. You know what? I thought it, it just added a little. You know, we had to work for that one, Steve. We just we had to work a little harder. But this time around, there's no uh, room for error. AKA, we're taking a big business trip next week, so we can't uh, we can't mess around. We can't get any. We can't get sick at all uh, ahead of what we're doing next week. So yeah, let's let's be inside out at the District West. Let's have a lot of fun with our listeners. We'll have some minor talk T-shirts. Uh, we'll have some great guests. If you've ever wanted to meet Cade McConnell, you can meet him in person. Hey. Instead of asking him a question over the phone or over Twitter or X, uh, meet him in person. Come on out and join us. Awesome. So that's coming up on uh, tomorrow's show. Meanwhile, we ended the hour talking about UTEP, New Mexico, NIL, all that stuff, right? And I'm looking right now at the NCAA official net rankings. These rankings are as of today. They're actually as of yesterday. It's through games of yesterday. So they're updated daily. So I went to Conference USA. I was so I was so curious to see Conference USA, and you even said that CUSA is is behind the whack. So I pulled the whack up, and I wanted to see. Well, where's the whack rank? Let me tell you something. Grand Canyon is eighteen and two, and they have a net ranking of forty eight. Forty eight. After Grand Canyon, you've got Seattle. At 130. But 48 is a terrific ranking in comparison to 84, which is Louisiana Tech. Now, if you want to know how they stack up, Jacksonville State, UTEP's opponents tomorrow, is 175. Liberty, 110. UTEP, 226. Now, where does New Mexico State fall? They're 266. FIU, 289. Middle Tennessee, 301. That's the bottom of Conference USA. In between, Western Kentucky is 150. Sam Houston is 199. There's your league. UTEP again, 226. And by the way, the net ranking lists UTEP as 8 and 10 this season. They don't recognize wins over D2s and D3 schools. So according to the net rankings, UTEP is 8 and 10. Which I do find a little interesting when you really start to dissect it and and, and break it down. Um, But here's the thing, okay? UTEP is 0-7 on the road. They're 7-2 and at home. They're one and one in neutral site games. This is all according to uh, the net. Because what are they really? What are they? Ten and two at home, or nine and two? What is it? Uh, what are their rankings? Uh, I don't have it in front of me, so I'm not sure. I, I don't know off the top of my head. Is UTEP uh, ten and ten so far this year? Or are they eleven and ten? Where is it? They're eleven and ten overall. Okay, so so that means that the NCAA does not recognize three of their wins. So that that's right out of the gate. Okay, but here's what's also kind of interesting. They give you quad one, quad two, quad three, quad four. UTEP is 0-1 against Quad 1, 0-2 against Quad 2, 4-3 against Quad 3, 4-4 against Quad 4 teams. That's just where they are right now. And, you know, we would love to see things get better. We all would. 
Um, this league, though, as a whole, Adrian, when you factor in all these schools, they have four that are ranking between 110 and 199, another three that are ranking between 226 and 289. They've got one school at 84 and one school at 301. So when you really think about it, what would you see the average net ranking is among all nine schools in CUSA, if you had to pick them all up and, yeah, and put them together. I'd probably say it's probably right at 200. Yeah, I would say it's probably right around then because you have a team, you have probably like four or five that are in that 100 range and then the rest in that late or the deep 200 range. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I would think it's maybe, um, you know, 190, 180, something like that. If, if it really, if you wanted to dip into it, it's around 200 maybe. See, that's what I thought. You want to hear something funny? If you add it all up, it is 200 on the dot. The actual, there's nine schools. And when you add up all nine net rankings, the total you get is 1,800 even. Even. So there's no decimal points. You are right at 200 as your average score. For this league, UTEP's 226. You know, it's really not surprising it, to me. It, I'll be honest, Steve. I, I'm not surprised on this at all. We've seen so far this conference. Last year's UTEP team actually probably would have fared better than this year's UTEP team in conference action. Now, maybe that's not taking into account the different travels that's required and all that kind of stuff and the unfamiliarity that's uh, taking place right now with some of the new teams in CUSA, but still... That unfamiliarity to a lot of UTEP fans should be just pushing past teams like Sam Houston or teams like Jacksonville State, which uh, UTEP fans on paper think that UTEP should just push over those teams no matter what, no matter what year it is. Just knowing what kind of programs those are, what kind of programs, you, uh, what kind of program UTEP has had in the past historically. Yep. Now listen to this, okay? The Mountain West currently has. I believe 11 teams in the league, if I'm counting it right. 11. How many teams of the 11 are in the top 100, would you say, of the net rankings for the NCAA? Talk about mm. West. Mm, this is a good one. Okay, I'm not looking at anything, but I'm just I'm just going to look at the conference real quick. Uh, Utah State, I would say, is in that. I would guess New Mexico's in that for sure because they're a top 25 team. Boise State's in that as well because they are a team that's constantly hovering between the AP top 25. San Diego State is a, a you know a top 25 team in the country as well. Colorado State, you could throw in that conversation. I would throw Nevada in that mix as well. So I'm talking 16. If I'm wrong, uh, tell me where I'm wrong. But maybe even seven if you count UNLV, which has been a frisky team as well in the Mountain West. You just hit it. Seven of the 11 teams in the Mountain West are all top 100 net rankings. This is a terrific basketball league. Has been, always will be. They just are. They're a great league. The only schools out of the top 100, Wyoming 158, San Jose State, 196. Fresno State, 225. Air Force, 229. Other than that, New Mexico, 16. 16. Utah State, 20. San Diego State, 23. Colorado State, 32. Boise State, 56. Nevada, 62. 
UNLV, 99. What a basketball league the Mountain West is. And you want to know something? I know El Paso wants so badly to see UTEP get back into the Mountain West. If they did, they'd probably be like Air Force. I mean, facts are facts. Uh, there's no, there is no guarantee that if UTEP gets into the Mountain West, suddenly uh, you know they're a, a respectable basketball program because of how good the league is. They could be a, a cellar dweller, and all of a sudden, you know, they have no chance at all. So, you know, you got to take that into consideration. Really, is the Mountain West is stacked stacked as a league and you know in order for UTEP to ever have a chance to get into that league and I think that ship sailed years ago but in order for that to ever happen they have to show that they're able to win championships and so far they've had a hard time showing that they're anything better than a middle of the pack club uh, when it comes to CUSA. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, win championships. How about just fundraise, and how about compete uh, on those levels and pay your coaches like what the Mountain West is trying to pay? So before we ever have a Mountain West conversation again, I think a reality check needs to happen. The talent gap and the separation is starting to grow between the Mountain West and Conference USA, and that means that gap is starting to widen between a school like New Mexico and a school like UTEP. The fundraising isn't there, NIL isn't there, where it could be and the winning isn't there either. The interesting thing to me about NIL is this. Fans that have for years wanted to make a difference now can do so through the NIL legally. I mean, that's very much what it's about, right? If you want to help out and you want to uh, be part of NIL now, you can. You absolutely can. And yet, if... You know, as a school, you're not seeing it. What does that really tell you? Does that tell you that the fans really want it that badly? And maybe the fans are like, you know what? Show us something and then we'll give. And if you're not showing anything year to year, um, it's just that we're in that same zone. Again, uh, it's it's the danger zone because basketball, unlike football, has the tradition. It has the, the the past stars. They're honoring the 0304 team this weekend, Adrian, and that was a terrific team. From uh, really, you look back at it, it's uh, one of my favorites. And you got guys coming in town that, you know, were, were regularly playing in front of sold out crowds. They're going to come Saturday night for Liberty. And let's be honest, if we get 5,000, 6,000 fans, that's a big night. And they're going to look in that arena and go, wow, man, have things changed? Because that's not what they were used to when they were given an at-large invitation into the NCAA tournament that year with that 24-8 uh, and uh, eight, uh, regular season record under head coach Billy Gillespie. You think of just that team, right? Omar Thomas, Jason Williams, uh, Brent Murphy, and in that season as well. Don't forget they, Philly Rivera. Well, I was going to say, I, I'm not I'm not talking about that specifically of like who's on the roster. I was talking about the recruiting class that was brought into that year and how we talked about how recruiting has changed over time. Well, they recruited OT, Jason Williams, Brent Murphy that year specifically to try to help that team. And look at the boost that that did to guys like Philly Rivera, John Tofi, Roy Smallwood, who are already on that group. I have to correct you. 
Rivera and OT were brought in the same year. They were both the same year junior college players of the year. So OT and Philly, one was a junior college. They had different junior colleges in those days, different, you know, different leagues. So Philly was a junior college point guard, and he was the JUCO player of the year. And OT was a small forward. He was the JUCO player of the year. So two of the top JUCO players in all of college basketball headlined that 2003 recruiting class. That has to be one of the top recruiting classes ever for ever. UTEP that actually panned out and had success. Yep. Because if you had immediate success like that and turned it around and turned it to an NCAA tournament team, yep. and then we flash forward here to 2024 and they can't do that with the transfer portal being what it is, right. I mean, it makes you kind of reflective of what how they've had success in the past when it was just a year over a year. How did they build it? In case you forgot, we'll explain it next. It all started with assistant coaches who, when they arrived, brought players with them. We'll tell you who they were and who they brought and how it all came together. We'll do that next as we look back on that 0304 UTEP team that will be honored on Saturday here at the Haskins Center right after we go to Charlie One, who has this traffic update. Listen to this amazing story, okay? Billy Gillespie brings in Jason Williams, Philly Rivera, and Omar Thomas to dinner at Capetto's on their recruiting trip. Always wanting to make them feel at home, Ed Davis fixes Puerto Rican beans and rice for Philly, jambalaya for Jason, and a steak for Omar. They all signed the next week. This is such a great story. I love that. Um, man, shout out to Capetto's. That just makes me hungry and miss Capetto's even more. I love their food. I miss their food so much. And I love their food. Yeah, but how great is that? What I a mean, great story. That's what Catering to what they want. Yes. Not even Italian food. Yeah, He's it's just- an Italian restaurant, and he basically, and Ed says, you know what? Now nah, I'm going to go off the script. We're going to give these guys what they what they want, and that's what he does. Versatile right there. Ed is. And what, love it. And by the way, what a difference that probably made, getting a home-cooked meal like that when they're on their trip to El Paso. Yeah. Imagine. Yeah, and then you get, you get that personal touch right there. Of course those guys are going to commit. 37 passed as we continue here on Sports Talk. Let's go back to the phones right now. Here's Cruz joining us next. Hi, Cruz. How's it going, bud? Hey, um, I got a couple of things to cover. You know, uh, why is it that we can't? recruit well and will hire these uh coaches a little more like like scotty you know he's he's uh i mean uh he gets everybody excited and his his way of doing things you know it seems he's uh, getting some good players well here's the thing let's 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 start with that let's start with that okay number one scotty basically brought his entire staff from um austin p to utep so Uh i mean and that's probably how they recruited over there so they're doing the same thing here that they did there, just with a different caliber of athlete. So, you know, I know you're saying, well, why can't basketball do what football is doing? First off, that's every coach is different. Every coach has their own style and has their own way of going about doing things. And you know, Scotty Walden is not Billy is not uh, Joe Golding. They might they they're both they're both energetic, 
They both are, uh, you know, when they when they talk, they both get excited and can pump you up. But in terms of recruiting, I've seen those videos. Cruz, are you on? Are you on social media? Have you seen the stuff that UTEP's doing for their football recruits? No, I, I haven't gone it's, in. I mean, Adrian, how would you? I mean, what's the best way to describe this? How would we? How would we describe? Okay, this? I'm gonna be nice about it. Uh, the, I would describe it as exciting, energetic, and really trying to cater to the audience, which is uh, high school athletes and all the college prospects they're recruiting. It's nothing like UTEP has ever done before in any capacity. It's completely the opposite of probably what UTEP has done, but it's working. It's working for them, you know? And it, but here's the thing. I don't think basketball needs a show to sign players. They just, what they need is they need to go out and, and, and either have the right coaches, get the right players. I mean, you know, you don't, you don't have 85 to choose from like football. You have 13 and you can't afford to miss on multiple guys because if you do and you waste valuable spots, it hurts you in the long run. So it's a totally different game when you talk about recruiting to football versus basketball. Yeah, but I was, you know, I was thinking we, we should have been going after coaches like Scotty, uh, you know, sooner, even before. Uh, but, that's, know, but, that's, but what you're saying is this, okay? I think that, I honestly think, if you ask Jim Center this question, he felt three years ago when he hired Joe Golding, that he hired a Scotty Walden type for basketball. Adrian, when we watched Scotty first arrive in El Paso, the first thing we said is, oh, my God, it's a football <laughs> version of Joe, personality-wise. Right, yeah. personality he, he had that kind of energy The that's just so contagious, right, and that you want to run through a brick wall for. That's true. But you got to realize something, too, Cruz. When you're not winning, okay, and you're struggling, yeah. and you know fans get on you, and people are calling for your head and saying that you're overrated and and you don't you know belong. That can wear on you as much as anything else. That is that is difficult to block those distractions out. And trust me, Joe is not here trying to collect a paycheck. He's here trying to win and and boost his profile because who knows? He might want to keep. He want might not only want UTEP to get uh, to you know to go to the postseason, but maybe he still has dreams and aspirations of a Power Five head coaching job. And you're not yeah. going to get it when you're 500 at UTEP. You have to win. He knows that. So, you know, this is year three. He signed a five-year contract, and if it doesn't work out this year, he's only going to have a couple of more shots at it before, you know, the UTEP looks to go for the next head coach to try to turn this thing around. So, believe me, I, I don't see Joe Golding uh, just here, you know, and, and, and having no desire to win. He wants to win. Whether he gets it done or not is a totally different story. But believe me, was, you know, he, he wants to turn this thing around. You know, I, uh, I played some basketball, too, in high school. And uh, maybe it's because in the same city, but sometimes we'd go and play in Midland, Odessa schools, and uh, Hobbs and Carlsbad and Clovis. And it just seems, I, I don't know why they can't score as well when they're shooting and they're playing away from home. I, I just don't understand what the difference is because I didn't see one. My my, my average was about the same regardless of where we played. Uh Every now and then you are going to have a bad game, but it can happen to you in your own home court, you know. And I just don't understand why they cannot consistently score the same at home as when they are away. I, I just don't understand that. That's a question for the players, okay? I don't even want to ask Joe that question. 
Um, because if he knew the answer, he would have fixed it already. So, But that's a question I'd like to ask Tay Hardy, Zid Powell, Calvin Solomon, the vets, the guys that have been doing this for three or four years or five years. Ask them. Because, Adrian, they're the ones that ultimately, if things are going to change, they're the ones that are going to fix it. Yeah, and I, I mean, I guess I don't really, I'm not saying I don't like the attitude when these questions are asked, because they are during press conferences. Every week, every week that UTEP has an, a road game, the first question is asked, well, you guys haven't had success on the road. How do you look to change that? And it's like almost an eye roll, because it's it seems repetitive now uh, from both sides, from the media's perspective and the player's perspective. Now, instead of it being repetitive, instead of this uh, you know, being redundant, then how do they fix it and actually um, have success? And by the way, you're going to get cliche after cliche. As, yeah, as the, we just got to stick at it. We got to stick to the plan. Stick to the plan. We've got to trust in our teammates. Yes. Be efficient. Yeah. Yes. All, all the cliches. All the same things we've heard for years. Yeah. I got you. Appreciate you, Cruz. 43 past as we continue here on Sports Talk. More in a moment coming up. Stay with us. We continue right here. 600 ESPN El Paso. At the ticket map for tomorrow's game. Oh. Oh, there's a lot of blue dots. It's a ton of blue dots. I mean, I'd almost rather just talk about the 0304 team for the rest of the show. I mean, yeah, seriously. I agree. And just take calls and, and let people reminisce about that. I mean, that would be fun. Oh, man. Yeah. Tomorrow's going to be. Uh, and I'm going. I'm, I've got Joel. I'll be in Section F, row 12 tomorrow. I'll be at the game late because we've got baseball practice till seven. So as soon as the practice ends, I'm picking them up and we're going to go straight to the Haskins Center and watch the game tomorrow night. But oh my god, yeah, this is uh, it's and 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 listen, I what am I going to tell it? You know, again, they're having a hard time selling tickets. Team can't win a road game. What do you expect? I mean, that's just what it comes down to. I know they're good at home. I get that. They are good at home. But when you're winless on the road, it's difficult to get people into the building. Now, I'll say this, okay? This year's team aside, if you're going to go to the Haskins Center, you know, go to watch your, you know, watch them win. That's important. But Saturday, you can line up at 6 o'clock to start meeting players from the 0304 team. To me... That's worth the ticket alone. I'm just going to tell you, that is. I mean, you see OT, Philly, and, you know, Jason Williams, and, and that whole group, Smallwood, Tophy. Uh, that's, that is worth the opportunity to go say hi to those guys, get a poster autographed, um, watch the current team play Liberty, which should be a very good game on Saturday. That right there is value. Two weeks from tomorrow, or from Saturday, You've got the 83-84 reunion coinciding with the Don Haskins statue unveiling. That's another big, big night to go watch. Oh, and by the way, on the 10th, the day before the Super Bowl, New Mexico State's coming to town. So there's some very good Saturday games with good promotions, good opportunities, reunions. I love those reunions. Um, And I do hope that even though... You know, tomorrow is going to be a very, very light night for basketball. I hope you go Saturday, if anything, to go say hi to the 0304 team. They deserve it. 
and the 83-84 team in the Haskins statue a couple of weeks later, the New Mexico State game. Adrian, that's the thing. I mean, the, the truth is the Saturday night games are showcase games for reasons on and off the court. Yeah, and UTEP's got to find a way to get fans excited about it. And it starts with their on-court play. Um, you know, stats will show you that if you watch a game at the Haskins Center, uh, odds are they're going to actually win that game. I mean, based on their 10-2 and record at home this season. But uh, the big thing is, you know, I have a standard for this basketball team, and my standard also says they've got to win these three home games. And, and I've got them down for three wins. Anything less than that is a big disappointment because what they've shown is they can't win on the road, but they can win at home. So these games might be close. They might get ugly, but I expect UTEP to win these three games despite the record that they have, 8-10, and 11-10, whatever you want to call them. They've got to win these three games no matter what, and I have they that do. standard right there that UTEP beats Jacksonville State, Liberty, and New Mexico State despite the records of all those teams. Yep. And, and by the way, I just took a look at the Saturday uh, seat map. It's not much better than Thursday. I mean, folks, again, it'd be embarrassing for the eighty for the uh, 03, 04 team to show up and be honored in front of an empty arena. That would suck. Let's be honest. They deserve you know, this team aside, that group deserves deserves better. And they've got tickets starting at nine dollars and fifteen cents if you want to go in. So I get it. I'm not telling you to go spend your hard-earned money to go see this year's team, but hey, when you can honor uh, a past team that hung a banner for you and see those guys 20 years later come back in one of those rare opportunities at the Haskins Center, that's worth your money. That 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 right there is worth the dollars. Right. I think that now, uh, and, and I mean, man, you know, two years ago, Joe Golding was talking about this being a top ticket in town because of the excitement that that team had in year one. Sule Boom, Keontae Kennedy, Titus Verhoeven, Jamal Bienemy, just a real exciting team that was competitive all across Conference USA, won 20 games that year. And you think back on that North Texas game, how much excitement was in the Don Haskins Center. And now we're talking here today, January 31st, about to turn the page into the most relevant month in college basketball, not named... March Madness or the month of March and that's February where everything counts the final standings are going to be relevant here for the Miners going into seeding scenarios for the Conference USA Tournament. They've got to play well here in this final stretch and it starts the, uh, tomorrow really against Jacksonville State. It does. Alright, we've got one hour to go. We'd love to hear from you. 505-6009 that is our telephone number. Stay with us. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso. All right, welcome back, everybody, as we continue Sports Talk Live with you from the River Oaks Property Schoolyard Sports Studios. Alberto Urueta also with us. He'll be back on the Q Morning Show tomorrow with Buzz and Joanna and uh, Nico, who uh, we'll find them. Hopefully Nico will come back by next week. We'll see. That's right. We will see. 505-6009. That is our telephone number. Uh, Reminders. Tomorrow, <clears throat> we'll be back at the district, 3233 North Mesa. Big, big show, Adrian. Big sports talk live and getting everybody ready for UTEP and Jacksonville State, where great tickets remain for the Miners uh, and uh, the Gamecocks. 
Yeah, that's right. And for this matchup for the Miners, it's just about trying to continue to their winning ways at home and uh, showing the Miners why they should try to buy in on this team. I mean, it's a lot for the Miners to try to prove right now. Coming off that loss against Sam Houston State, which felt inexcusable, the score felt like it was 56-55 to forever in that matchup. Bearcats pull away in the end. Miners had multiple opportunities, but Sam Houston State got it done at home by four. I want to ask Miner fans the question of this, okay? So... Um, you know, in the past, I used to get on my rants about going to watch the team play, supporting this, that. I, I don't do that anymore. I, I get it. I mean, look, if they're not if they're not playing good enough for you and, and you don't want to go, I'm not going to tell you you should go. I mean, that's your decision, right? I, I get that. And this team is such a um, – it, it's such a um, – how can I put this? Um, inconsistent, confusing team because they have their home identity and they have their road identity. Now – I will say, when you go watch them play at home, nine times out of ten, they're going to win. And and most of the time, you do want to go watch a team to win. And UTEP does do that at home. They don't do it on the road, so I wouldn't go watch them go play on the road, but they do that at home. So <clears throat> for the sense of just wanting to go watch your team and then come home happy, that has been the case more often than not this season. It really has. But I brought up the 0304 reunion on Saturday because to me, that was a special team. I enjoyed watching that turnaround in real time as it was happening. Like all of you, I think we were captivated by Billy Gillespie and and and, and all the stars on that team that year. And really, you know, outside of Chris Craig and Gio St. Amant, they're all coming back on Saturday. Even the walk-ons are going to be here. I saw the list. There's, I mean, I don't know if there's a walk-ons or student managers. I'm not exactly sure who they're bringing back because there's three guys I didn't recognize with their names, but um, there's 13 guys coming back for this 20th reunion. And reunions are a big deal in college athletics when you can make that happen. And all I'm saying is this, okay? You know, I get it about this year's team, and I'm not going to try to convince you otherwise because I understand where you're coming from, and I don't disagree with people and, and, and why they haven't gone to watch them. I don't. I understand it. You know, money's tough, entertainment dollars competitive, and you want to go watch a good team. I get that. I do. But Saturday night is a little different just because they're bringing back the 0304 team. And I would hope, I would hope, that the crowd will not be as light as it looks right now on the Ticketmaster website for the game on Saturday. I hope people decide to come. And I hope you get there early at 6 o'clock, and I hope you wait in line to see the the 0304 team and reconnect with some of these guys because some of them haven't been back in 20 years. So that right there, to me is enough motivation to go watch UTEP and Liberty, which, by the way, should be a pretty good basketball game. Really should be. Liberty is one of the better teams in the conference, behind Louisiana Tech. And UTEP obviously needs to win to try and um, even their mark to, to 500, assuming they can win tomorrow against Jacksonville State. So in that regard, it's going to be a big one. And then the following week, they play New Mexico State. So they have 
three games at home over the next 10 days. And they're all important for UTEP for reasons we illustrated just a moment ago. So I wonder if fans feel the same way. Even if some of them are checked out on this year's team for reasons that were explained Saturday during minor talk, or if you've missed that podcast, you should definitely listen to it, um, is bringing back the 0304 team for the 20th reunion enough to get you out to go on a Saturday night to go watch what should be a pretty entertaining basketball game even before that happens with UTEP and Liberty? So that's the question we're asking. 505-6009, our telephone number. And by the way, two weeks later, they're bringing back the the 83-84 team. I'm really excited about that because, you know, like that was my, that was basically my childhood, the 83-84 team. I was 11 years old when that team was going to the NCAA tournament. So, yeah. I mean, that's my son's age right now. So you better believe I'm excited to see all those guys coming back. And, of course, the Don Haskins statue unveiling that same weekend, it's going to be an epic weekend. I can't wait. I am more excited for that than anything else. So, you know, count me in for that weekend. But even Saturday, to me, is a big deal with the 0304 team. So that's my question to all of you out there listening. At 505-6009 is bringing back Billy Gillespie's NCAA tournament team from 20 years ago enough to get you to go watch UTEP and Liberty. That's And if not, you know, that, that really says something, Adrian, especially if minor fans will tell you that a 20-year reunion of one of the, uh, you know, I guess one of the last three NCAA teams isn't enough to get them. Hopefully it is. But again, I, I've just looked at the ticket map and they, you know, they, they need a nice rush. They need a good push between now and Saturday to at least get five, 6,000 fans at the Haskins Center as opposed to the 2,500, 3,000 that they're trending to right now. Right, and I don't know if it's enough just knowing that uh, this year has been what it is. So people, obviously, yeah, they, they care about the history with uh, this UTEP basketball program, but I'm, I'm not sure if they care enough to buy a ticket uh, here at this stage knowing that they still have to watch this team and you know go out and watch uh, the, the uh, team be honored. I think it's a big month for UTEP basketball off the court. Now they got to make sure on the court they're doing their part and uh, getting some wins. And, you know, like we talked about here in the previous hours, at home, statistically, they're going to win these home games. They are going to win these games. Augustine checks in today on Twitter and X and says, I've said it before, I'll say it again. Winning is an attitude, and UTEP men's basketball doesn't have it at the current time. Now, again... I don't disagree with that when we're talking about road games because this team has a um, Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde personality. The home version of UTEP is much different than the road version of UTEP. The home version of UTEP scored 93 points a couple of weekends ago and beat Western Kentucky. Okay? The road version scores 52 and loses to Sam Houston State. So, 
there are definitely split personalities when it comes to this basketball team. But the home version of this UTEP team is pretty good. And like you said, most likely will come out with two, if not three, wins during these next three games. That is, I feel, a, a pretty good a pretty good assessment. But those seven losses are what fans are um, upset about. And the worst thing, Adrian, is that even if this team plays great at home, even if they win tomorrow, and they win Saturday, and they win the following Saturday, if they go back on the road and lose two more, then how do you expect fans to come back when you're home again? That's the that's the thing. You wanna you wanna get some momentum, you wanna get some excitement. We talked about can this team turn their season around? You know, is this a, a turning point? And the answer is no, because they can't win road games. But they are very good at home. So there is the conundrum for minor fans. If you go Thursday and Saturday, you will probably watch a team, your team, win both games and play reasonably well in those games. Yet, fans are so sick and tired of losing on the road that they might not even do that, even though it means going to watch your team win at home. Yeah, I mean, because they're just not bought in. It's kind of like false hope right there. Yep. And, you know, you, these next three games, I'm not going to overreact to any of them. Like, uh, even New Mexico State next Saturday, I'm not going to overreact to of that matchup not. at all. I'll, I'll overreact or maybe react after the Western Kentucky game and properly react. But I think this team has already kind of shown us who they are. I don't really feel like things are going to flip so much. Yeah. And you know, you you talk about a turnaround. I think they've had multiple opportunities to insti- or kind of instigate a turnaround and they haven't really fulfilled those uh those goals right there to truly do it because Boys win at home. Men win on the road in college basketball, and that's how I look at it. Look, You look at the 20-win season that Joe Golding had that first season. They won seven road games. They did. They were good on the road, and they show, they had a tough win on the road against Old Dominion in overtime, and I thought that was the turning point of that season, really catapulted them in mid-January. UTEP's still searching for a win like that this season. They are. They are. And they're going to most likely – finish conference play undefeated at home or maybe one loss at home, depending on what happens with some of these games. And they might lose every road game. And then all of a sudden, you're left with this 500 team in conference play going into the uh, conference tournament, and you're just like, well, honestly, no idea who's going to show up uh, You know, in, in Huntsville. Will it be the winless road version or will it be the, uh, the undefeated home team? Probably closer to the winless road version than the undefeated home team because they're, even though it's a neutral site game, it's not a home game. And to me, that still has been UTEP's, uh, that's their kryptonite all season long. Yeah, and they could still win one game in the conference tournament, sure. of course, but that might be uh, a six versus seven matchup or something like that, or, you know, a, a, five, a four versus five matchup if that's how they end up shaking it out. Um, now, I look at UTEP right now, the way that it stands, and I look at the Ken Palm model. They have UTEP projected to finish up 15 and 16. If that holds true, that would mean back to back losing seasons. And if you look back on the last 
last time UTEP had back-to-back losing seasons, it was the second to last year of Tim Floyd and the last season where he abruptly resigned right. and then Phil Johnson took over. Those were the last two seasons the Miners had back-to-back losing seasons uh, come to them consecutively. Now, before that, you have to look all the way back to Jason Rabidou in the early 2000s for back-to-back losing seasons for the Miners. Point is, this doesn't happen unless it means some kind of a coaching change or something like that. I don't see that happening whatsoever with this program after no, this season, no. but it's still it's still not a good look whatsoever going back-to-back losing if that ends up happening. So this team has it on them to try to turn it around and try to not go for a losing record when it's all said and done. They have four road games left this season. Western Kentucky, Middle Tennessee, Jack State, and Liberty. That's what they have left. Uh, Jack State and Liberty, by the way, are in town Thursday and Saturday, tomorrow and Saturday. Okay. So you right then and there look at these four road games and you're thinking, Western Kentucky? Nope. Liberty? Nope. And then you're like, well, maybe Jack State and maybe Middle Tennessee. But you want to know something? They didn't beat Sam Houston. They lost to them. And then they didn't beat FIU. They lost to them. So... You know, you could be looking at a uh, a team that once again wins out of home, loses every game on the road, and then they're just a 500 team going into conference tournament action, and you're left with absolutely no idea what will happen when they go to Huntsville. Yeah, and I think the expectations should be pretty low when they go out there to Huntsville and Alabama if things continue this way. They haven't given you any reason to tell you that they're going to make a run in the conference tournament. And, uh, you know, it really shows when this team can't get it done on the road but can get it done at home. It's just a, a con- like a different scenario here that we haven't seen in a while where this team is so – it's a lopsided uh, record, home versus away record right now that UTEP's seeing. Back with more. 19 passed after we go to Charlie 1 and get this traffic update. Even the El Paso Metroplex, we have a couple of trouble spots, both on the west side. Mesa and Rester, the second crash there this afternoon, so PD busy with that. Mesa and Rester in a busy intersection. Also, Cimarron Park in Northern Pass, we have an injury crash. PD still investigating that one, Cimarron Park in Northern Pass. Where we tap the brakes, I-10 East Piedras, two rentals, but a lot of construction going on, and I'm talking about I-10, those mochis, Trans Mountain, Red Area, where you're down to one lane. So just extra caution in that area. Leo's Restaurant, 7520 Remcon. Leo's has a full-service bar. Famous tortilla soup, party trays, popular Mr. T specials, full menu. Don't forget the delicious. I just looked at attendance numbers for Conference USA. This league is so pathetic. And when it comes to home attendance, it really is. UTEP is second in the league at this point behind New Mexico State in attendance. NMSU leads Conference USA, averaging 4,867 fans a game. UTEP has dipped all the way down to 43-44. That's essentially... A third of the arena. A third of the arena. And they're second. Closest to them, Western Kentucky, at 3,824 fans a game. Then you have Liberty at 3,000 fans a game. Right behind them is Middle Tennessee, 2971. 
After that, you got to go all the way down to Louisiana Tech and 2,142 fans a game. Oh, my God. Then it's Jacksonville State at 1,755, and it's a close battle for last with FIU and Sam Houston. Sam Houston's averaging 973 fans a game, and uh, FIU is averaging 917 fans per game. Think about that for a minute, folks. UTEP averaging 4,344 fans per home game. Second in the league behind New Mexico State. That is what we are dealing with here in Conference USA. Uh, It's just, you know, that's... Adrian, I'm saying that this league, this league's got so many issues. And and, and attendance. No, but, but it's getting worse. I feel like the league's attendance problems are getting worse and worse and worse. What's the number one average right now? The average for the number one team? Aggies. But what's the number? 48-67. Okay, last year, number one. UTEP was number one, okay? 45-52. It was actually worse last year. No, no, they're, 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 they're actually behind last year. They were 40, now they're 43-44. Did you say they were 45? So I'm saying UTEP last year was number one in right. Conference USA. Oh, so it was worse. Meaning so I'm higher, saying yes, the, that's true. Yeah, the average attendance numbers are actually worse yep. this, uh, you know, last year. But it doesn't really improve that much at all. It kind of stays the same. The league as a whole averages 2,797 fans per home game, and that's through 94 dates. Thank goodness Conference USA does not have UTSA and Rice anymore. Those two last year averaged under 1,800 fans every single game. So yeah. uh, that's awful right there. How was FIU last year? Oh, they were awful. They had they, uh, they uh, reported... 1,020. Oh, I don't think that's that's accurate at all. Hey, they, that was that's better than this year. This year they're at 917. Man, Maybe they awful. need a couple of more vice nights uh, for FIU. Yeah, they got to – or just have a bunch of cardboard cutouts and call it fans. Let's go to Milkman. He joins us as we continue here on Sports Talk. Milkman, we're thirsty for your phone call. What's going on? <laughs> What's going on, guys? It's been a, it's been a while since I called. But, it has uh, been. Good to hear from you, man. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, I, I sense the overall malaise uh, in just everybody and what, you know, what you guys are saying. I guess it's like, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm more disappointed in Dimmel's football team or Golden's basketball team. I mean, I know by the end of the football season, I was like, oh God, thank God basketball's here. And now I'm like, oh my God, when's football starting? Um, yep. And it, it goes along like you, you've hit it on the head. It's like we were always used to, you know, as bad as football would be, we always had basketball. Where even if we, you know, somehow didn't get to the NCAA tournament, we were always competitive and like nobody wanted to play here. I mean, anybody that grew up with the Haskins teams, I mean, it was like, you know, Georgetown wouldn't want to come play down here. You know, it was it was it was uh, a different environment, and we knew that. No matter what happened at the end of the year, we would always be competitive every single year. Hundred percent. This is just. This is just. I don't know. It's well, just so disheartening. Now let me ask you this, okay? Let me ask you. Let me ask you. Let me ask you this. UTEP so far this season, in their twelve home games, has won ten of them. Okay, so they've won eighty-six percent right. or whatever it is eighty something of their home games. Chances are they win tomorrow, they win Saturday, 
and they'll beat New Mexico State a week from Saturday. Yet, and I even said it best, Milkman. Here's my here's my question to you. Okay, as disheartening as this team has been because of their pro play on the road and their split personalities between the Don Haskins Center and and away from the Haskins Center, is bringing back the 0304 team enough to get fans that otherwise would stay home on a Saturday night to go out to the arena and uh, pay their respects to that bunch and get there early, get maybe some autographs, reconnect with Philly OT and all those guys that were so big here 20 years ago? Well, uh, I can tell you that I was in basic training at that time, so I'm not particularly – I wasn't uh, uh, particularly able to follow them, although uh, I do think that, you know, seeing some of that history, seeing some of, you know – some of the, you know, the, the teams that used to win um, will probably help, I hope. You know, I mean, I, I have to hope as a minor fan. Um, I'm personally going to try and get out there at least on Saturday. Um, I'll, I'll see how my dad feels, you know. Um, that's another thing. It's like, you know, my, my dad, is, you know, he's 90, and, and he's seen how they play on TV, and he's just like, I don't know if we're just – I don't know if we want to make the effort to go out there, you know. Um, it, it's really it's really sad, you know. Um, but – in answer to your question, uh, I hope so. <laughs> I know that's not much of an answer, but um, I, I, I mean, I, I hope they get a little because obviously I know we need to sell tickets. But you know, that's another thing is that when we would go out, I remember you know we'd go from you know watching them play Utah and BYU back to back, and now we're you know we're losing to Texas A and M. What was it, Corpus Christi? Yep. I, I, At oh home. Oh my God, that's the. the that's the last game I took my dad. Um, I mean, this is this is not minor ball. Though like, this yeah. is not. I mean, we 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 used to play some powerhouses, and they were lucky if they could, you know, get out of there with a win. You know, uh, it, this is just not. I'm, we're just not used to this. I mean, and I know you know there's been you know twenty some odd years since the bear, but uh, even even the coaches after that at least had a little bit of. And I, I'm not even going to say that I'm not a Golding fan um, anymore because I don't, you know, I mean, it, it, it's been three years and yes, he should have turned it around by now, but who knows? We don't, we don't know the, we don't know what's going on, you know, with the recruiting battles and NIL and stuff like that, but I can say he better figure it out. Like, better figure well, it out. Well, he's got two years. I, Otherwise, he'll be out of a job. I mean, as simple as that. They're yeah. not going to, you're not going to give somebody who has not shown any ability to, to make positive strides and take the team into the postseason and extension. So, yeah, I agree with you. He's got two more years after this because the school can't afford to keep losing money. They just can't. I agree. I agree. Appreciate you, Milkman. Thanks for the call. We'll get to Conrad in a moment, but first let's go back to Adrian. One last Sports Center update, bottom of the hour as we continue. All right, Adrian, thank you very much uh, as we keep it moving uh, here on the show. 505-6009 as we continue and go right back to the phones. And let's say hello next to Conrad, who joins us. Conrad, how are you? Hey, Steve. Conrad, I got a question Uh, for you. I know know you're a diehard Cowboys fan. I've listened to your calls over the years. In fact, um, you've had some of the most entertaining calls in the history of this program, but that's another story (laughs) entirely. Um, How many years have you lived in El Paso, Conrad? Uh. My whole life, but okay. just I don't want to put a, a number on it. Got it. We'll no, say, you, we'll, but you've we'll grown say, up. Yes, we'll, we'll, we'll say over fifty. Okay, 
So in all those years, and I know how I know, and I know your passion for the Cowboys. What are your thoughts towards UTEP as a fan? Are you a fan? Do you go to games? Is do they interest you? Has the product ever interested you? I've never heard your spin on UTEP as a as a native El Pasoan. You know, as a younger kid, I mean, I have great memories of going to the football games with my dad. Uh, you know, uh, even before the stall years when pretty much they were losing all the time. Uh, going to the basketball games with my dad, hearing uh, Paul Strausen, you know, as the announcer. Uh, you know, just just very fond memories. Uh, you know, recently, uh, you know, I just I just really have lost interest to be honest you know i mean you just see you know uh losing program after losing program uh whether it be the football or the basketball um i I don't i don't i don't know what the answer is uh to get it going in the right direction but you know i i i I just really don't have any any interest in, in in keeping up with it all right that makes sense fair it makes total sense Let's go back to now a topic that aggravates you more than anything else uh, in sports, the Dallas Cowboys. Well, once again, Jerry Jones, the master of of idiotic comments. He says the Cowboys are just hanging around the rim. They're just hanging around the rim. They're all in next year. (laughs) They don't care about the future. They're all in next year. Um, Makes another comment, which... I just don't understand why he didn't get McCarthy uh, or get rid of McCarthy making this comment that, uh, you know, he'd be good working with Bill Belichick. I mean, I I don't know if Belichick would be the answer, but, you know. He's already laying the seeds. He's already planting the seedlings if it doesn't work out with Mike McCarthy. Yeah, yeah. And, and, And the thing is, is that, when he fires McCarthy next year, and let's say he does get Belichick, he's a year behind. He doesn't have to fire McCarthy. McCarthy's got one year left in his contract this upcoming season, yeah. so he could just not renew him, and then he's out of that deal completely. And then you're right; he'll bring Belichick, who's who'll be uh, who have lost a year uh, being out of the NFL. That is correct. Yes. Yeah, I mean, you might as well have just gotten Belichick this year, give him a two year contract, and see what happens. I mean, I, I don't know if that's the answer. I doubt that's the answer, but if you're going to go that route, go that route. But I, I just got to say, you know, to all the, the, the Cowboys fans out there, uh, quote-unquote Cowboys fans, AT&T Stadium fans, you know, I'm not saying don't be a Cowboys fan anymore, but stop buying the jerseys. Stop going to the games, you know, and I'm not trying to put somebody out of business, you know, to do the tours from El Paso, but just stop it. I mean, this this is enough. I mean, this guy is just... One stupid comment after another, one stupid move after another. He's not, he's not doing anything to get this team where they need to be to be a uh, 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 49ers. You know, 49ers are in the Super Bowl again. This guy has done nothing to do that, and he's not going to listen until people hit him in the pocketbook. I don't know if that ever happens. I don't mean it's the richest franchise in sports for a reason. Don't know if it ever happens. I doubt it, and uh, you know everybody's going to say, you know, why do we have to? Why why should we listen to this guy? But you know, I've been a Cowboys fan for years. I, I cried in the '79 Super Bowl when they lost to the Steelers. Um, 
I cried in uh, 81, the only game I've ever seen uh, uh, the Cowboys played the Rams in L.A. Coliseum. You know, that, 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 that's, where, that's where my heart lies, okay? So this, this, is just getting, this is just getting ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Appreciate you, Conrad. Thanks for the call. Conrad chiming in, 38 past the hour. Not much I can add to that one, Adrian. He pretty much summed it up himself. Yeah, I thought that was a really good call. You know, I thought I think that a lot of uh, people out there who are who have this same feeling like Conrad don't realize that the brand's not going to stop growing just because they're losing. The the brand is only going to continue to be elevated year over year because it's the Cowboys. It's one of it's still the most popular sports franchise maybe out in all of sports, not just here in America, but in all of sports right now. I also wonder how many people just like him describing his childhood and what it was like going to games feel the same way today. I think a ton of them. An absolute ton of them. Yeah, it's evident by the people who you saw at one time uh, go to the Haskins Center, watch UTEP, and you don't see them anymore. No. But you know what UTEP still needs to do? And, and, and again, I don't know how they're going to figure this out because if, if they had the answer, they would have done this years ago. They've got to figure out a way to get all the people that have never been to games to go, to go check it out. And hopefully they like it enough to come back. That's the key. They can't rely on the same fan base for the last 50, 60 years. They have to get out and find those people that are not necessarily new to El Paso, but maybe just haven't been to a game. Maybe they haven't seen a UTEP game. They've, either they've never been invited or they've never thought about going and, and get them out. I think that's the key to UTEP's resurgence, Adrian, is they've got to basically create a whole new fan base. Yeah, but when's this going to happen? Because we've talked about this since I basically started. This was like an issue when I started on this radio station, uh, and we were really just going, it's not changed. We've brought up the same discussion time and time again, and, and it's a constant cycle. So it, it hasn't really changed much. They haven't gone off and gotten better or new fans. No, they haven't. They absolutely haven't. So, But then again... How many years have the Chihuahuas been around now? Ten? Yeah. And look at... Reinventing. Of, and, and look at the number of fans they draw year after year. They reinvent. So New promotions every year. New yeah. excitement every year. I hear you. 20 in front of seven. We'll wrap it up next. Sports Talk continues. 600 ESPN El Paso.